Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham. Scott is socially distancing, as he always is. Hello, Scott. Sean, I'm doing what I'm best at. <laughs> Sitting at home by yourself. What can I say? <laughs> yeah, I've been doing a lot of that uh, recently uh, here in the nation's capital. Uh, you know, everyone is hopefully following the recommendations of local health authorities, wherever it is you live. Uh, I know, Scott, here in Ottawa, you know, the weather's starting to turn and you can just feel that, you know, you know, when I, I went out to the grocery store the other day, like, people just want to be out. And, mm. uh, you know, so, you know, as the weather turns here, uh, more and more, hopefully, uh, hopefully people continue to follow the rules. Of course, I was on a meeting today. One of my colleagues out there in uh, Calgary said that it was minus 15 today. So, you know, they're, <laughs> I'm sure looking for, like, are excited about the staying inside to a certain degree. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're lucky we're not at, uh, those type of conditions. I, I just got back from a walk actually, and I saw a lot of people out. So yeah. I was uh, doing a lot of diving, uh, you know, weaving and, and bobbing and stuff to try and stay away. Yes. I think, I think I was successful, but I had a very full afternoon, Sean. Yeah. You had a really full afternoon. So this week would have been, or was scheduled to be the men's world championship over there in Glasgow. Why do I always, <laughs> I always doubt myself. It's supposed to be in Glasgow. Glasgow. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's two, there's two options and I, I always doubt myself on whether, uh, uh, between the two of them. So in, in Glasgow and of course it was, uh, I believe officially postponed by the world curling federation. Uh, they might try to run this in the fall, given the, the significance of the event relative to Olympic points, Olympic qualifying points. Uh, so I don't think there's been an official word yet, but certainly it's not taking place right now in Glasgow, but Scott that doesn't mean we can't try to figure out who wins and, and who, you know, we, we can award a world championship. Yeah. Why not? Right. We, yeah. uh, we've seen a lot of this being done, uh, you know, with the baseball season just starting, um, people are running like MLB, the show simulations every day to see how their team would do. Uh, and I thought, Hey, maybe we could do something with curling. Problem mm. is Sean, there's no nice website out there that you say, hey, can I simulate my curling event? And they say, <laughs> yes, you can. Here you go. Yeah, it's so too bad because like, for the history podcast that I do, we simulated uh, a, a website called What If Sports where you can create all-time all-star teams and draft your own teams and, and run a simulator to see how they would do against each other. We did that on the history podcast that I do, but – yeah, on that website, there was a tab for baseball. There was a tab for uh, hockey, obviously, football, basketball. I couldn't find the curling tab, though, Scott. Yeah, so weird. Eh? I, I uh, looked for it, too, on, <laughs> on that, to be honest. But uh, what I did was I know there's a lot of data available on Curling Zone. So maybe I can come up with some way of approximating uh, a team's percentage chance of winning against each other based on something right yep so based on the stats based on the information we have about each of the teams 
Exactly, exactly. So um, there's ha, – have you ever heard of uh, Bill James, who's the sabermetrician, sort of the father of yeah. base, baseball statistics? Um, yeah, godfather. Yeah, so there's like a lot of models that have come since, but there's a pretty easy model that estimates the probability of one team defeating another team based on their uh, true – winning percentage so uh i went on to curling zone and i got a bunch of different stats i i tried to find out your who's won and who's lost uh how many points do you score per game how many points do you give up what's your hammer efficiency you know i love that what's your force efficiency steel efficiency and, and all this sort of stuff i put it into a big sheet and i was trying to decide like how could I figure out how the teams that are playing in this event would fare Mm. against each other? Right. So uh, what I did was uh, I took the team's winning percentage, and I also took their Pythagorean winning percentage, which is based on the number of points they've scored and the number of points they've given up, what would you expect their winning percentage to be? Right. Because, yeah, because sometimes it can be weird, right? Like if you're playing bad competition and you're winning like 12 to two, and then you play good competitions and lose seven to six, that can all, that can throw those numbers a bit. Right. Right. So you want to sort of level the field, uh, in in a certain way. Now, uh, I don't, I don't think I could use either one of those distinctly, whether it's their winning percentage from this year, I should say, not just this season. Uh, and then the Pythagorean. So I kind of tried to split the difference between the two of them. Right. So so that's just based on points for and against, right? Yep. But we all know that there's some skill in curling as well. What? Outrageous. Crazy, right? So uh, there's been a lot of papers written, and uh, something I saw on the Curl with Math blog, who is one of the participants in the, the Twitter spiel, out there. Uh, I can't remember who he is, but uh, it's good stuff. And they've found that the hammer factor is a very strong indicator towards skill. Uh, And you'll see the top teams in the rankings having higher hammer factor numbers than the worst teams, like the teams farther down the list. So what's hammer factor? It's uh, two statistics put together. So it's hammer efficiency minus the steel defense. Right. So the higher the hammer efficiency, the better. It means you're scoring multiple points with the hammer more often. And the lower your steel defense is, is good, because that's the percentage of ends where you give up a steal. Mm-hmm. So both of these uh, stats take ends in which your team has the hammer and does not blank. There's a, there's other stuff in here that we've talked about, like force efficiency and stealing efficiency. Those mm-hmm. two stats are for when teams are without the hammer. And uh, there's been some, some papers written, some stuff that those two factors are a lot more random and aren't quite as indicative of skill as the other two are. Well, that I think that kind of makes 
sense just you know from just a logical perspective that you're dependent on the other more dependent on the other team there to for whatever that result is going to be mm-hmm. whereas when you were this, i think this is why teams you know are are in some cases intentionally going down by two to keep the hammer instead of being tied without because that sense of control that they have and you know if you're trying to steal you need somebody to miss right even if you have a great setup as we saw at the briar you need like these guys are so good you're going to need a miss at the end right right exactly so uh so you put those two stats together and you get your hammer factor now if i'm looking at uh the hammer factor for the teams in this field uh maybe we should go through the teams in the field first sure um yeah let's let's like i mean it's for for most of the countries, it's people who you would expect. Uh, of course, Brad Gushu won the Briar, so they're there for Canada. The Chinese team is Zhu Quang. Uh, I think that's how you say. It. I think it might be Chang. I don't know. Uh, do you know how? Uh, Chang, sure. Chang. Uh, well, I'll, I'll I'll look it up while you're talking more about the math and make sure we get that right. Uh, the Danish team is represented uh, by Tobias Thune at skip. Mark Muskowitz. Muscatowitz? I always say his name wrong, too. Muscatowitz. Uh, Muscatowitz, the German team. We've seen them before, of course. Italy, Joel Ray Tornaz is returning, or was scheduled to return, to represent Italy again. Wouter is back from the Netherlands. Uh, Thomas Ulsrud, of course, has teamed up with Stefan Wallstead uh, and his team there, and they are representing Norway. The Russians, represented by Sergei Glukov. Uh, Scotland, represented by Bruce Mowat and his team, they uh, won the Scottish Nationals. Kim Chang-min, representing South Korea. Of course, Nick Adin is the Swedish team. Yannick Schwaller, perhaps a bit of a surprise, beating out uh, Peter de Cruz and his team in the Swiss final there. And, of course, the Americans, as always, represented by John Schuster. Well, not always, but mostly. As mostly. Yeah, so... Uh, lots of great teams, obviously. Uh, looking at the hammer factor, th- there's a couple things that are very interesting. Uh, maybe the least interesting thing, Canada is one, Sweden two, Scotland three. Fair enough, right? Uh, Switzerland, a team that's had a great year that you would think is, oh, they're, they're probably pretty good. They're 10th on this list of 13 teams. Uh, really not what you'd expect. Uh, Korea is number four on this list. So maybe a little surprising to see Switzerland that low, but otherwise it sort of shakes out how you would expect. Uh, Germany is is 13th. Uh, Denmark, I think, is 12th. Or Netherlands are 12th. Denmark, uh, 10th or 9th. 8th. Uh, so anyway, it, it's, it breaks out the sort of how you'd expect. So, right. And yeah, the, the I guess maybe the surprise in there would be the Koreans, wouldn't it? Just, just at least for a North American audience. Right. And that w- this is a team we don't know much about. No, you're right. So they're a team that's had a hammer efficiency of 0.5. So 50% efficiency with the hammer and only given up steals 18% of the time. Uh, looking at the number of games they've played, uh, 68 games in the same neighborhood as most of these teams. There's a, a couple that are are pretty low, but otherwise, you know, pretty much what you would expect. Okay. 
One other, uh, one other I, thing. I, sorry, I just want to say real quick too before I forget. Uh, according to this phonetic guide I found, it is uh, Chang. Chang. Okay. Uh, good. Good. So there you go. Um, one of the other things that I didn't do properly was <laughs> I, I put in the wrong Danish team. Okay. Uh, I put in Michael Krause. I put in all the stats, and it was like when you were reading off the names of the teams, and I went, oh, shit, shoot. Hmm. But that's okay. So based on their looking at their hammer efficiency or their hammer factor, they have about the same hammer factor. Where it would be different was they've um, they've won a lot more games this year. Um, sorry, I, I thought I had their page up. Yeah. Okay. I mean, but if, if you think about it, Scott, like, with all due respect to to Denmark, and not to necessarily spoil the results of this. Does it make that much of a difference? Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. So <laughs> uh, they had a very – because they only played 17 games, and the right. 17 games were uh, against not that great competition, like yeah. to, to be honest looking at it, like the Danish Championship, the uh, Baltic Super League, and the Latvia Challenger. So I'm, I'm going to say their winning percentage was like 824. Yeah, but the, the sample size is yeah, but as you say, it's really small sample size against competition that uh, nowhere near what they would have faced here. Right, right. So, so I'm sorry. Uh, I'll run it again uh, if I have time tomorrow. Okay. Whoops. Excuse me. It shouldn't be that hard, uh, but I the, to make everything easier on Excel, I had to you know copy and paste and anyway. Uh, it might not follow the breadcrumbs properly, but for the sake of this, we're going to say that, uh, sorry, uh, Denmark, you're probably not going to win anyway. Okay. So now we have, well, now I'm just going to have to answer angry emails from Denmark all day tomorrow. Yeah. That's why, uh, you emails <laughs> and not me. Not me. So I, I would be interested to see if it would change, but, uh, like you say, not that many games. So. I, I didn't consider putting the percent chance of winning, filtering it against number of games played, um, but I uh, maybe I could, like getting it down to a winning percentage per game anyway. Per yeah, like sort of the same way the NBA is like per forty-eight stats. Yeah, and try to get it up to uh, yeah. get it up to like a per I don't know sixty-five games or something. Yeah, something like that. As a general average, but yeah. anyway, you know, these are things that we can take to the next one. Yeah, well, we got time to, to do that. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so, so you have so you have the the hammer stat. So you have uh, hammer the factor. Hammer factor. You have the uh, winning percentage uh, factor. Right. So when you put those two together, like like. It's great that we have these, but then how do you go from those numbers to a simulation? Right. So uh, I talked about Bill James a bit before. Uh, there's a formula called log five, and this is a formula that, that he invented to estimate the probability that a team will win based on the true winning percentage of each team. Okay. So it's the probability that team A will beat team B is the winning percentage of A minus the winning percentage of A times the winning percentage of B. 
divided by winning percentage of A plus winning percentage of B minus two times the winning percentage of A times the winning percentage of B. Now, if you didn't uh, write that down, I'm sorry. But <laughs> so basically what it what it turns out is that if team A's winning percentage is 100%, this formula will always return a, a 1. Okay. And if team A's winning percentage is 0, it will always return a 0. Right. And so it gives uh, based on each team's percent chance of winning the games in which they've already played, yep. it gives a chance that one or the other team will win. And and so the sum of these two for any two teams has to be exactly one, right? Okay. So, for example, in running the numbers, the Canada versus China game... Yeah. Well, I did something else to the to the percentage first. So the Canada versus China game, based just on those numbers themselves, the just on the log five formula, yep. it's a sixty four percent chance for Brad Jake, Brad Gushu to win, yep. and thirty six for China to win. Right. Now, I thought, hey, we should bring this hammer factor into play somehow. So sure. So what I did was I, uh, if I was trying to calculate the percentage uh, that Canada would win. I took their hammer factor, subtracted the opponent's hammer factor, yep. and divided it by two. Okay. Uh, I just thought I didn't want to make it too big a swing percentage-wise. Sure. Uh, so anyway, what that did, after I sort of applied that, Canada's winning percentage chance went up to 74, and China's 26. Right. So I did that for everybody, for the whole thing. Uh, I'll, I'll post this on our website or maybe on Twitter tomorrow. Uh, but there are percentage chances for each team to win in a head-to-head -head matchup. Right. What I then did was for each team took, uh, I think, 10, 10 random numbers for each game. So for the Canada-China game, I generated a set of uh, 10 random numbers between 0 and 100. Yep. I took the median of those numbers, which is the middle one, uh, so not the average, but the median, mm -hmm. and that was the number I assigned to that game. Right. So each game had its own number, which means there was 80-something numbers. Anyway... And so based on then the team's winning percentage chance, those numbers would correspond to falling either within the one team's half of 100 or the other team's. Right. Does that, does that make sense? Like, yeah, for, yeah, yeah. So like Canada-China. So, yeah, so out of those numbers, you are assigned uh, the same percentage as the winning percent. And then that's how we determine the win and the loss. That, that's what we're going to do for the playoffs. But for this, uh, so for the Canada-China game, Canada yeah. had a 74% chance to win, yep. China a 26. So anything that was uh, less than 74 on that 0 to 100, yep. I gave the win to Canada. If it okay. was 75 through 100, right. then the win would have gone to China. Okay. So... What, what it does 
is if the percentage chance of winning is very close. Uh, actually, there was Switzerland versus Sweden. The percent of each team winning was exactly 50%. Oh, wow. So then and when the random number generator generates a range of numbers, and I pick the middle one, whichever side of the 50 that's on, that's the team that gets the win. Okay. Whoa. So yeah, easy now. Easy now. Well, don't hurt ta- yourself. I'm there, talking Scott. so much here. It's, yeah. Uh, it's tough. <laughs> so based on that, I simulated the round robin. Yeah. And so now we have uh, a we, whole grid here that, again, we'll post these uh, so you can sort of follow along with what Scott's talking about, where uh, we have wins and losses the same way that the World Curling Federation sets up its grid. I, I don't know if Curling Canada does this in, in their stuff either. Uh, like this publicly available. Certainly the World Curling Federation does this, where it's just a grid uh, mm-hmm. of, you know, each team is on the side, each team is on the top, and you, when you put them together, you see who wins that game. Yeah, and, and so I did the the team on the top going down. Yeah. That'll be their wins and losses against the other teams. I think a lot of other ones do it going the other way with yeah, the wins and losses. Yeah, it took me losses. a couple, it took me like a minute to figure this one out just because of that. Yeah, um... It's just like a, a switching the formulas if you want to change it, but um, right. I was looking at it like Canada got crushed when I initially <laughs> looked at it. Oh, man, oh man. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll transpose it and we can. Jeez, uh, did Gushu like slip on his way to the arena and break his ankle or something? Like, what is? Yeah. What is going on? Well, so Sean, you've given away Canada. Uh, did quite oh, well. I'm sorry. Yeah, Ta- Canada did well in a simulated curling event that uh, was created by a Canadian. Canada did well. What a shocker! Yeah. So, do you want to go through the standings here, or you want to go? Yeah. Let's. Yeah. Let's. No. Let's run through the standings. Uh, you know, bottom to top, or. Yeah. Let's do that. So. Uh, so you know, we sort of said that Denmark didn't have a chance, and uh, they didn't. They go one and eleven in the simulation. Yeah, one and eleven for Denmark. Uh, some tough luck there. Their one win was against Germany. Yep. Who also went one and eleven. Yes. So the two teams at the bottom of the table, uh there, Germany and Denmark, uh tough break for them. Uh the, the, they have to go back, uh re qualify of course. Mm-hmm. Uh for the well I guess all the European teams sort of have to re qualify, don't they? But uh, they go in uh, tough break for them. Germany, their one win came against Russia, who went two and ten. It was the third worst team on the table. Yeah. So if we look back at our uh, hammer factor to see if this is what we would expect to to be the case, right? If I yeah. looked at uh, Russia was eleventh. Uh, Denmark, as we said, was eight. Yeah. And. Uh, who was the last place again? I forgot. Germany. Germany. Germany was, yeah, 13th. So uh, not exactly unexpected based on hammer factor alone. No, so that, that but it does make sense, right? That the it, It's good that that is a factor and that it plays into the, the simulation because, as we've seen so often, it really does make a difference in these games. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, so uh, above Russia were the Norwegians going four and eight. Here they get wins against China, Denmark, Germany, and Russia. So the teams below them, uh, plus China and China, they were tied with them. 
Uh, so China yeah. goes four and eight as well as do the Netherlands. The Dutch team also going four and eight uh, wins there. Sort of these teams kind of beat the teams below them and right around them right. uh, in, in the table. So they're all grouped there uh, at four and eight and worse. Then we get into the playoff teams, or at least a tie for the sixth playoff spot. Here, Scott, uh, the Italians at seven and five. That sort of fits with what we might have expected for them in this field. I think if we were doing a, a preview, mm-hmm. we would have said in this field they could have a chance to make a playoffs in this new expanded World Curling Federation playoff pool. They go seven and five. Losses for them against the Koreans, the Scottish team, the the Swedes, the Swiss, and the Americans. Um, probably the the biggest shock on the table here is Italy beating Canada in the simulation. I think. Yeah, Italy beating Canada. It's uh it's not that crazy. Uh, Brad Gushu's team was the the best team statistics wise at this event, but uh, yeah, I mean we've seen Italy pull some upsets before. Uh, yeah, like I've said against Brad Gushu before at the 2006 Olympics. Yes. So, um, you know, not uh, not crazy, but uh, they were ninth in terms of hammer factor. So a bit of a random result. And we do see these from time to time at uh, world championships. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's Scotty's and Briars too all the time. You get those games. Uh, yeah. You know, Lori, Lori, Eddie beat Chris McCarville. Right? Yeah, would beat Northern Ontario at the Scotties this year. Yeah, and so, uh, you I, play that game a hundred times. I don't think that's going to happen. You know, more than five, ten times. Italy against Canada. No, uh, Chris oh. McCarville losing to Nunavut. No, you're right. Yeah. But, uh, so I mean, I mean, but it, but it can happen. So Italy had a against Canada thirty-two point two nine percent chance of winning. Yeah, and they so did. There you go. So they they win, uh, but they missed the playoffs because they lost to the Swedes. Scott Nicholas Adin in the simulation did not do particularly well for what we would expect a Nicholas Adin team to do, going seven and five. But that win against the Italian get, Italians gets them into the playoffs in this uh, no tiebreaker situation. Uh, some weird losses here for the Swedish team. I think when you look at their uh, what their table looks like. Uh, the Canadian, well, maybe not the Canadians, the Koreans, the Scots, the Swiss, and the Americans. Yeah, so the only game they lost in which they had a, they were a favorite, quote unquote favorite, was that game against Switzerland where they were fifty percent. They were okay. they were fifty fifty, exactly on that one. So that one was basically a coin flip. But but uh, some of their percentage, like the, the, some of that, I I know they. They would have not been favorites against like Gushu, but uh, but against even a team like Schuster, you would think, or I would think too. And, and I, you tell me what the number, you can tell me what the numbers are, but I would think like at worst they'd be like forty five percent, and you know at, at some point over five games, even if you're underdog in five games, you would think that you'll hit maybe one. Yeah, you're right. That's it's kind of weird to be honest. Like based on their numbers, they're they're sort of unlucky winning percentage wise on the year based on the points they've scored. They're about five, their expected win percentage would be 74 and they're only at 69. Right. So yeah, a little, a little strange. I'm uh, I am a bit surprised that I'm even a bit surprised that those percentages are so 
are so low. Uh, so low. I mean, yeah. yeah. I think a lot of the, the the randomness with Korea, their winning percentage on the year is 78%, and their expected is 76 So even at 77% expected win percentage, that's, that's going to make them a favorite over pretty much everybody before taking into account hammer factor where they're also yeah. pretty good. So yeah, you know, maybe just an off year for Nicholas Adin. Yeah, maybe. Uh, th- but they finished sixth. Fifth place goes to Scotland. Bruce Mallet, his team, they go eight and four in the simulator, uh, you know, losing to Canada, Korea, Switzerland, and the Americans, but they have a secure fifth place finish. Uh, tie for third place between the Swiss and the Americans, both going nine and three. The Americans beat the Swiss in this simulator, so they get third place. I don't know how much of a prize that is for John Schuster in this scenario, given that the prize for third place winning that tiebreaker is getting to play Nicholas Adin in a quarterfinal game. Yeah, just a second. I'm, I'm thinking that actually USA... Oh, you, oh, is this wrong? Oh, my goodness. Look, look at the grid here. And, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah it's USA. the other way around. Excuse me. Yeah, so John Schuster gets a big win by losing to the Swiss. Uh, doesn't have to play Nicholas Adin in the quarterfinal, but uh, the Swiss and the Americans both tie with a record of 9-3. and three. The Swiss lose to the Chinese team, which is the third loss for them as they both lost to Korea and the Canadians. So uh, the third loss for the Americans to the Swiss, the third loss for the Swiss to the Chinese. And the top two teams, you might have guessed it from how we've been talking, how they've beaten everybody. Canada and Korea both going 11-1. and one. We talked about Italy getting the win over Canada. So that means, obviously, then that Canada beat Korea for the tiebreak. They go first place, and those two teams get buys into the semifinals in this format. Yeah, so, uh, you know... Anything really stand out to you there, Sean, in terms of those teams? I think it's it's the Koreans, right? I, I think the question now becomes, is it possible in, in this type of a of a of a of the math of it, or even for us to know, like to put in like a degree of difficulty on that winning percentage? Like, is there a way to take? Uh, like what? What is the the points? Like how they assign point? Like strength of field points? Yeah. Is that, there a way to factor that into the winning percentage? I, uh, somehow. I think there is, but I did this for four hours today and was. Uh, I'm not. I'm not being critical. I'm, I'm not being critical of the uh, of the process. I'm just wondering if that would be the next level of it. Is to say to, to put the winning percentage into more context. Yeah, I think that would be the way to do it. You're you're absolutely right. Uh, having strength of field measurement for each event that they played in, and then weighing the wins and losses, yes. giving yes. them a little more value on each of those. That that would be a good way. A good way. Yeah, to or do even it. I mean I I mean if. Al, if somebody has a lot of time out there, like a lot of time, uh, and wants to do this, you could even probably do it at a per-game basis because you can take, for as much as the order of merit is problematic, and, and, I, and probably with a team like Korea who's playing a lot of their games against teams who aren't playing WCT events as much, 
uh, the order of merit is going to be a little thrown off for them. But you could do it on a game by game basis and say, you know, beat this team and this is where they are on the order of merit. This is you beat this team. This is where they are on the order of merit. You really could get that micro and assign something to each win and each loss based off the quality of the opponent. Yeah, I spent a lot of time researching how to try and create ELO rankings. Um, uh, you might have seen them on 538.com. They're sort of the rankings uh, that they've developed for each team in a league. So, uh, you know, in the NBA or something, after every game that's played, uh, the winning percent, the chance of each team winning based on their ELO rankings is calculated before the game. And then if the expected team wins, their ranking goes up a certain amount and the losing team's down and then off the other way around, right? Yeah. Um, and that it's a system used by chess players originally to try and calculate who was the best player in in chess in the world. And it's a direct head-to-head comparison. Now, the problem I had was that I hadn't started anywhere, right? I, I was just sort of starting from nothing. And I Googled a lot of how to start ELO rankings and it was always like well one team will play the the next team and I'm like well that doesn't I still don't have anything to start with right so if anybody's got ideas out there about how to start some ELO rankings for each rank uh, that would be pretty cool the other challenge if uh, you want to do that year over year uh, would be how many how much weight does a certain player take if they choose to move to a different team or whatever so yeah it's not like in the NBA where there's however many teams, 30, 31 teams, 30 teams? 30. Uh, so wh- where you know there's like the same amount of teams yeah. and the same amount of the wins and losses all have to work out, right? right. And each, yeah, each team is playing, yeah, each team is playing the same number of games and the average is going to be 41 on the number of wins over like the 30 teams if you add up all their wins and divide it yeah. by 30, it's going to equal 41. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, so, you, yeah, you don't have that. It's a little harder with the with the curling. You're right. Yeah, a little bit harder. Yeah. So uh, so that's our rankings. That's our table. So let's go into the playoffs here, Scott. Uh, so we have, as we said, uh, in the new format, six teams make the playoffs. First two teams get a bye. So they have a matchup of the Americans against the Scottish team. Yeah. Here uh, in the four-five game, and the three-six game is Switzerland and Sweden. So, what do we got? So, what we got is let's start with the Switzerland-Sweden game. Okay. Um, and as I mentioned a couple times, that their pre-tournament odds when they played each other, their their pre-tournament head-to-head was fifty percent each. Right. This was the only one where it was fifty percent. Right. So uh, pretty, pr- pretty crazy that, to be honest, that two teams would be flip of the coin. Yeah. Um, so what I decided to do was then take those same odds, but apply a, f- a fudge factor, if you will, uh, of a 5% uh, chance of winning based on who won in the tournament. Right. Uh, who won in the last game. Yep. This is sort of a way of measuring, like, Maybe who's feeling it a little bit more? I don't know. <laughs> do you think that that's sort of a good idea to do a five percent 
advantage to the team that won the last matchup? I I don't think I don't think it necessarily hurts. I also think it could account for the team that in, in these playoffs the situation the way it, uh, I believe it has worked out is that it also accounts for the team getting the hammer in the first end, which is an advantage. So in the playoffs, we know who's going to get it because you don't have that draw to the button. Uh, and these one is the higher ranked team. So I think it helps account for that in, in this scenario as well, that the hammer factor is going to be a little increased just because you know who's going to start the game with it. So I'm okay with it. Yeah, that's uh, another thing to uh, give give the odds a bit uh, bit more in, in that favor. Yeah, so I, I kind of like that uh, that way of doing it. So in, in this case, by doing that, because the Swiss beat the Swedes in the round robin, that means that Switzerland would have 55%, Sweden would have 45% chance within this simulation. That's right. So uh, what we can do now to simulate yeah. the results. So when I simulated the round robin games, I made... Uh, each each game have 10 different outcomes. Yeah. And then took the median of those outcomes. I think for the playoffs, we should just do one outcome. Okay. It's it's sort of, I mean, over the course of more games, like if you do 10 games or you do 100 games or 1,000 games, it increases the chances that the better team is going to win. The right, team but this that, is a one-off. Right, but because this is a one-off, I think it'll make it like a little more random and a little more fun. Yeah, let's do it. If we do that. So what I've done is I've I've created a set or 100 sets of numbers. And in each set, there's a distinct number from 1 to 100. Okay. I'm going to, because this is a 55% to a 45%, my set 55 to set 1 that's going to be my numbers that are in favor of Switzerland. Yep. And set 56 to 100 is going to be uh, the result where Sweden wins. Okay. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I have on here uh, a simulated 100-sided die. Okay. I would like to see a 100-sided die in real life. Do you think uh, it'd be small enough that I could pick it up? Uh, maybe. Maybe. There, I mean, maybe uh, there's Dungeons, Dungeons and Dragons people, right? Don't Do they use big-sided dies? I don't know. I, I think a 20-sided for sure. What but, shape uh, would it be? What, like, what, what would the name of the shape of a 100-sided die be? Oh, uh, a centa, centa deca, a centahedron? <laughs> I don't know. Centahedron. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I would think, just like to see that. Because I think that 12-sided is dodecahedron. Okay. So, anyway, All right. it's sort of fun. So, uh, yeah, so you got your 100-sided uh, simulated die there. So you're just going to roll it. I'm going to roll it. And if it. it's between 1 and 55, Switzerland is into the semifinal. And if it is 56 to 100, it's going to be the Swedes. So here we go. All right, here we go. And roll. The number is 3. So three, so Switzerland, Yannick Schwaller moves into the semifinal. No, I don't. I, I can't remember, Scott. Do they do reseeding in this, or is it a bracket? They do reseed. Okay, so that this. means that uh, they would play Korea in the semifinal in a 2-3 matchup from the round robin. 
Yeah. Yeah, pretty good. So let me uh, get that into our results here. Yeah. Uh, the next matchup, uh, as you say, the United States against Scotland. Yes. So pre-tournament, you had a 54.55% weighting towards the Scottish team, but the Americans won the round-robin game. So with that 5% swing we're giving based off of that head-to-head, that pushes it to a 50.45 advantage for the Americans. So just under a half percentage point advantage to the American Scott. This is as close to a 50-50 as you can get. Yeah, this is uh, this is pretty crazy. And so because of this, I'm going to take numbers 1 to 51 for the U.S. Yeah, I think that's fair. And 1 to 49. It is... I mean, if it's 51, we're going to get... I'm Not only am I going to have to answer angry Danish people, I'm going to have to answer some angry Scots, too. Yeah, you probably don't want to do that, right? <laughs> um, all right, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. So, uh, again, 1 to 55 for the Americans, 52. 200 for the Scots, 100 side die. And, and we roll. Go. Whoa. Oh. Is it 51? It's 88. 88, an upset. We've got an upset. So Bruce Mowat and his team, they get the win in this simulation, and now it is going to be the Scots and the Canadians. That's the matchup you would have wanted to see in the final, I think, Scott, in like a real-world scenario. Uh, You know, Scotland being the birthplace of the sport, Canada being the biggest participants uh, certainly at a recreational level, and the the country that tends to dominate the international scene, and having that in Glasgow in Scotland, I think that's the matchup going into this for a final that we were all kind of rooting for, just from a TV perspective. That would have been a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that, Sean. It's uh, like it's uh, what you sort of want in Scotland, especially. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would have been a lot of fun. I would have, I, for as much as I love the TSN crew, it, you know, they wouldn't have been on site. Vic and, and Ross might have been there, but, you know, certainly the, the production would have been a, a WCF production, and I would have tried my best to find the Rona call. <laughs> of oh, that game oh yeah that would be uh that would be pretty cool right yeah that yeah. that's what the people want uh no question so uh in the semifinals now we have canada and scotland korea and switzerland pre-tournament odds in the canada scotland matchup were weighted to brad gushu not by much though a 52.7 percent uh edge to brad gushu and team canada 47.3, I mean, there's more decimal points than that, but I'm rounding to the first decimal point. Uh, 43.7, uh, excuse me, 47.3 for the Scottish team. So, of course, Canada won the head-to-head matchup in the round robin, so that pushes it to 57.7 and 42.3 there, Scott. So are we going to do 1 to 58 for the Canadians and... 59, excuse me, oh yeah, 59 to 100 for the Scots? I think that we should, yes. Okay. So, here we go. We got the 100 side die getting ready. 
Okay, getting ready to roll it. And Let's do it. Roll. Roll. The number is 40. The number is 40. Canada gets the win. Over Scotland. And Brad Gushu is into another world championship final. And it's going to be either against Korea or Switzerland. Pre-tournament odds, 75% for the Koreans, 25%. Again, I'm rounding for the Swiss with the five-point bump. That'll put us at 80 and 20%. So, wow. Yeah, this is a a real underdog team, this Swiss Swiss team. Yeah. Um, Remember we talked about how their hammer factor wasn't very good? Yeah, how Yannick Schwaller, uh, the numbers all point to them not being as good as they had been. Yep. These kind of miracle runs happen, Sean. It happens, yeah. And that's what we like to see, a real underdog. Of course, you finished third. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, some, sometimes the hundred-sided die rolls your way. Sometimes it does, and sometimes it don't. <laughs> All right. right. So, uh, yeah, so 1 to 80 will be the Koreans. Uh, 81 to 100 will be the Swiss. What do we got? All right. We're going to roll. We got 63. Okay. So the Koreans, a comfortable win there uh, over the Swiss. That means we have a final, a championship final of Korea and Canada at the 2020 Men's World Championship. So Brad Gushu, of course, his team out of St. John's. Newfoundland will be playing team Kim Cheng Min uh, out of Yusong, South Korea. Scott, uh, I don't know if many people would have predicted that. Uh, I don't think I would have had, you know, we always, of course, in our previews, pick four teams for the playoffs. I don't know if I would have had the South Koreans in my pick of four in this field. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that, too, as I was doing this. Like, all their numbers point to them having been really strong all season. Um, maybe if we had factored in some of that, uh, you know, competition strength, um, it it could have led to some different results, but, uh, the numbers kind of are what they are. Yeah. Your record, what is it? Bill Parcells, you are what your record says you are. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Canada versus Korea, uh, I'm sorry. I'm trying to put the numbers in at the same time here. So yeah. What so do you uh, see? so yeah. So pre uh, pre tournament odds were in favor of the Koreans at 56 percent, 56.3 percent to be precise. And for the Canadians, they were down at 43.7 percent. But of course, with the win by Brad Gushu in the round robin, that will push his odds up to just under 49 percent, just over 51 percent on the Korean side uh and of course in this matchup as the one two matchup uh canada would have the hammer to start mm-hmm. the game as well so another example that this five percent swing i think uh, would make a difference yeah and i i think um i i tried to factor hammer into this because now that you draw for hammer it's a lot more likely that if you're drawing really well, you'll get hammer eight, nine, maybe even ten times in in your twelve games. Whereas, but it's but what, it's hard to but it's hard to factor that. Yeah. Just because like you could be good and get the hammer in the first end a lot, but be terrible at hammer efficiency. Right. Right. So, yeah, it's hard to 
hard to know how much of a factor it is having the hammer at the start of the game based on the statistics I have in front of me from curling yeah. zone. I'm sure that yeah. there are more statistics in the background that could help us to do this, but you know, we're just having fun for our, having a podcast, right? Yeah. We just want to know who would win. Yeah. And I think let's we're going to find out. Yeah. So let's do it. So we're doing, uh, are we doing 5149? I think 5149. Yeah. All right. So that. numbers one to 51 will be a Korean world champion. I believe that would be the first world championship for the Korean men. Uh, not obviously the first for this specific team, but I think ever, if, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, if it is from 52 to 100, Brad Gushu gets his second world championship, uh, second in three years. Yeah. So are you ready, Sean? I'm on the edge of, I'm. I, you can't see me, of course, but I am actually on the edge of my seat. Oh, boy. All right. Uh, count me down and I'll click the roll right. button. Three, two, one, let's roll. And we rolled a 66 again. Oh, my goodness. What? Uh, Brad Gushu beating the odds against the Koreans wow. twice to capture his second world championship in three years. Canada comes out on top. And I got to tell you, Scott, in the pantheon of Brad Gushu's career, there's going to be, you know, if you do a top three of it, number three is going to be his shot for seven uh, where he only scores six in the gold medal game of the 2006 Olympics. Number two is going to be that draw in St. John's to win his first briar. And number one is going to be when the math simulation <laughs> gives him the world championship. What a moment. What a moment indeed. Isn't that incredible? I am. No, uh... no, I mean, I mean, I mean, they're really good. <laughs> They're really good. Right? Their numbers are good. It makes sense. Uh, but it, it's a little surprising just in that, you know, as we, we've been talking about, that the Koreans had such a strong uh, a strong edge-wise based on their winning percentage here. So uh, mm -hmm. we're also putting in for the bronze medal game right now, Scotland versus Switzerland. Uh, Pre-tournament odds, the Scottish team had a strong advantage here, up at 66.5% to the 33.3%. For the Swiss, in the round robin matchup, you had the, let me look here, the Swiss, Swiss team winning. So they get the bump of 5%. So that brings us down to a 61.5 to a 38.5. So uh, should we call it 61.39? Uh, I think we'll do 62 because it rounds up. Okay. So 1 to 62, Scotland gets the bronze and 63 up. It's going to be a Swiss team filling out the podium. And we get 31. 31. So Bruce Mowat gets a bronze medal at the 2020 Men's World Championships. Uh, good result there for him. Yeah. Uh, to go along with his bronze medal in 2018 in Las Vegas. Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. So obviously Korea are the story of this week, right? If we're looking back on, on oh boy, what happened this week? What was the what was the big stories that they're writing about? Yeah, it's got to be that, that Korea. Yeah, that, that's what we'd be talking about, right? We would, well, I mean, I if the world was as it normally is, you would be doing the the men's world championship episode by yourself. 
uh, or with another person. And uh, yeah, that's what you'd be talking about. It'd be yeah, Brad Gushu, great. Uh, but what about this Korean team? It's uh, that that if this were to play out in real life, that that would for sure be the story. Maybe too through the week, probably not for Championship Weekend, but through the week, it also would have been what's wrong with Nicholas Adin. Yeah, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. So, uh, so yeah, so a lot of fun there. Uh, so yeah, once again, the finals uh, or your podiums: Canada first, Korea second, Scotland taking home the bronze. Yeah, and pretty just like. Just like that, we uh, we awarded the 2020 Men's World Championship. Yeah, congratulations, Team Gushu. Uh, we'll tag you on Twitter. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that, that was pretty fun. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that. Yeah. So uh, now that I've got some of the framework done, yeah, maybe uh, we'll go and simulate the women's event uh, eventually. Yeah, I think that's something we, uh, we should do uh, just to see if – we can get uh, see if we get Anna Hasselberg that first world championship. <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be great? And she's on the doorstep. She's been on the doorstep so many times. Uh, so uh, maybe, yeah. But yeah, if, if we can certainly uh, try to do that, I, yeah. This is a lot of fun. It, it's interesting too, Scott, to talk about the math. I know that last year at the the analytics conference in Boston, what is it called? Uh, the sports analytics conference that they do every year. Uh, you know, Jerry Gertz uh, went down. A couple mm-hmm. other people who were involved in sports analytics or, or curling analytics went down. So there is like this this community of people who are doing the analytics for the sport. I know a lot of the teams are, are looking at the numbers as well. You know, you have somebody like Brandon Botcher who, you know, he's an engineer, right? So mm-hmm. he he's sort of, you know, professionally is involved in thinking about things in this sort of structural way uh, and how can we make the numbers all make sense and you know with people like that I, I'm, I'm always amazed at some of the professional pursuits of the, the curlers uh, just what they do because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of them are in you know very uh, are, are in professions that require a lot of analytic ability which maybe isn't surprising because you need that strategic sensibility uh, to be a top level curler so uh, but you know you have these people who are, who are interested in the numbers and are diving into the numbers in in more and more detail so it's kind of fun to do it at, at this level for us yeah yeah i think uh it's pretty fun pretty fun and maybe so maybe i'll write do a bit of a write-up on data how i i created that and uh, see if i can get some feedback from other people as to how it would be better to tweak it yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's a good idea. So uh, once we have the links for that, we'll post them up. And uh, as you said, we'll post along with this uh, the grid that we have for the results and, and some of the methodology behind it. So uh, great job, Scott. Thanks, man. Thanks. I thought it was about time I contributed to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. No, that was really uh, very entertaining stuff. So uh, so I think that'll do it for this episode. Anything else you want to say, Scott, to the people? Uh, thanks for listening. I, uh, I know for me, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts lately. Uh, I really love how it uh, helps distract us in these times. So thanks for listening. And the best thing you can do is give us a rating on iTunes. Uh, any rating, the more ratings we get, the more easier, more easier. There you go. The easier it'll be to find us for others. So yeah, give us a rating and, uh, Make it a good one.
Yeah, preferably a good rating. Yeah, that uh, that certainly does help. And of course, you can follow along uh, Twitter, Instagram at Game of Stones Pod. Scott's there at Scott Lakes TV. I'm at Doctor Shawnee Fever. And of course, you can always email the show Game of Stones Podcast at gmail.com so uh, thanks again everybody for listening and follow along hope you're doing well uh, we're going to continue to churn out some episodes uh, I think we're going to shift Scott to the summer schedule now uh, and you know we might drop some other stuff off of uh, on other days but I think we'll go start going back to that Wednesday schedule for the summer and uh, just get that uh, get back into that regular routine of uh, posting on Wednesdays. Yeah, and we've got some great ideas. So yeah, looking forward so to yeah, I'm to looking that. forward to recording some of these. These are going to be a lot of fun, and uh, you know, just because just because the games are canceled doesn't mean we can't uh, talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. So uh, so again, hope everyone's doing well out there. Uh, and, uh, you know, get in touch if you have ideas. Uh, you know, we have our thoughts of what we want to do. Uh, this was a lot of fun uh, for me. Uh, and, and I think Scott enjoyed it as well. So uh, we're going to keep uh, doing stuff like this, some sort of over-the-top fun stuff, sort of absurdist kind of stuff too a little bit. But uh, keep following along and uh, look for the new episodes every Wednesday now uh, through the summer is what our schedule is going to be. So until we talk to you next Wednesday, wash your hands. Keep your brooms on the ice and don't dump that insert. Make the final.